All right. Well, good morning again. Last week, as you probably know, we finished up our study through the book of Esther. And two weeks from today, we are starting our Advent series, which is amazing um, and joyful. And so this morning uh, and next Sunday, we're going to be looking at texts outside of our normal schedules. We're not going to start a new series that will just be for the two weeks and then um, and taking a long break. We're going to be looking today at Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. So go ahead and turn there. We're going to be talking about Thanksgiving. So I want to ask you honestly, are you a thankful person? Sincerely consider that. Are you a thankful person? And I want to ask another way. Would other people living in your home, that you work with, would other people say that you are truly a thankful person? The theme throughout the New Testament is thanksgiving. For followers of Jesus, it is thanksgiving. And so I want to say here, yes, Thanksgiving is only a week and a half away, which I am joyful about, but that is not why I chose to talk about Thanksgiving today. I truly, truly think that thankfulness, that Thanksgiving is decreasing and lacking in the body of Christ, and yet it is something that we should be identified by that we should be identified as people who are thankful people. And so let's look at the text together and then work through it together. Colossians chapter 2, beginning with verse 6. We're just reading two verses. But go ahead and stand and follow along. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Let's pray. Father, we praise You and thank You for who You are and all that You have done for us, for giving us this opportunity, the blessing of gathering with Your people to identify with You, Jesus, and worshiping You and looking to Your Word fellowshipping together. We praise you for those things, and we ask that you would help us, Lord. It's a blessing to look to your word, and we ask that you would open our hearts, that we would know you by it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Well, verse 6 begins, therefore. In the English, that's the first word we have in verse 6, and if you know anything about me and my preaching and anything about studying, whenever you see the word therefore, what are you supposed to do? Ask, what is it there for? Okay, there's a purpose of it being there. And so what is Paul connecting these two verses with? He's saying at the very beginning of verse 6, since something is true, then this. It's a good reminder for us again, I like to bring up, it's, it's, it's a good reminder for us to remember there's, 
the verses, the verse numbers are added, right? They're additions. They're helpful, but they're additions. When Paul uh, or his scribe wrote out the letters that he wrote, uh, he didn't dictate verse 1, uh, verse 2. Those are, those are helpful for us. Uh, likewise, those headings right above verse 6, it probably says in your uh, Bible, alive in Christ. Uh, Paul did not uh, say in, in, in to his scribe as he's writing this out, alive in Christ, therefore, right? These are they're helpful additions, but they can also be unhelpful if we become people who say, I just want to jump in and read something about being alive in Christ. And then we, we take it out of the context of what he's writing. This is a full letter. Colossians is a letter written by Paul to the people of Colossae who followed Jesus. And so, this is all one letter that was read together. And so, we don't want to take it out of the context. So, what is the therefore, therefore? And the reason it is there is verses 1 through 5. So, let me read that for us. Verse 1, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance and of, un- of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, Yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. So Paul's desire in verses 1 through 5 is that their hearts would be encouraged and that they would be knit together in love so that they reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, and that mystery is Christ. So, Paul wants them to know Christ, to know Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So, let's just pause right there. The truth that leads Paul to write verses 6 and 7 is this, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in Christ, and he wants them to know Christ, not just to know about Christ. Not just to be able to answer trivia, but to know Christ. And then look at verse 4. He said, I'm telling you this, Paul says, so that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Now, what's he saying there? I'm telling you that I want you to know Christ because in Christ is all the treasure of wisdom and knowledge, and that will keep you from being swept away by myths and silly theories that corrupt your mind and make you think far less of Christ and more of those myths. And I'm telling you they're believable, so be certain that you know Christ. And that leads us to verses 6 and 7. Since that is his aim... Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. How did you receive Christ? 
few things that come to mind. There are certainly many. If I open this up, how did you receive Christ? You could give so many answers. I'm just going to mention a few things. First, we receive Christ through faith. Paul writes to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. You receive Christ through faith in Christ, not in plausible arguments, not in empty deceit, but in Christ. And you received Christ through an abundance of grace. Paul says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And then that faith is not your own doing. It's a gift. It's the gift of God. So even the faith in Christ that you had was gifted to you. It was graced to you. And Paul says before that in Ephesians 1 that 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 grace is lavished on us. And then lastly, you receive Christ with gladness. How could we not? If you are saved, it's because God opened your eyes to see that He alone is worthy of your worship and He alone is worthy of your affections And He alone is worthy of your life. And because He showed you that, you were lost and that He alone can save you. And those truths bring gladness. So you receive Christ by grace through faith with gladness. And Paul says, walk in Him that way. So let me ask you, are you walking in Christ today by grace, through faith, and with gladness of heart? That is Paul's desire. We see that in verse 7. Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Walk rooted in and built up in Him. That word rooted means to be what? It means to be firmly embedded into something. It's a picture. If you have a tree or a plant that has roots that are healthy and embedded in deep soil, that tree or that plant is going to be healthy and it's going to be stable when storms or in the case of what Paul's addressing, when arguments or theories come along. If roots are shallow or not attached or embedded, then the plant is easily torn out. It's easily deceived by those arguments or theories. So Paul's saying walk rooted rooted in Christ and who He is and in the gospel and what you believed and walk built up in Him, walk established, having a firm foundation which is Christ. In other words, when trouble comes or false teaching comes, arguments or theories come along, you're built on a solid and firm foundation and your cornerstone is Christ and He's not going anywhere. He's not shifting one way or another. He's not budging. 
So stay firmly built up on Him. And this is ongoing. It's a continuing thing. Continue walking this way, Paul's saying. And continue to be built up in Him. And then lastly, established in the faith just as you were taught. I want to remind us of the series we went through this summer. What is the faith? Or what is orthodoxy or right belief? If you remember from the summer and and our focus on, on creeds and what is orthodox... If we were to go through this room and, and kind of pass a mic around and just ask that, what is, what is the faith? What is orthodoxy? We would begin to hear so many things added on to the gospel of Jesus Christ that we, would, we may get confused But what is it that we believe? What is it to be established in the faith? What is it that from from one shore to the other shore and around the globe, those who are in Christ can say, we believe these things and therefore we are brothers and sisters in Christ and we love each other. I want us to read together, it's going to be on the screens, the Nicene Creed as a reminder, as we're talking from Paul's Uh, book to the Colossians here of of, of standing firm, established in the faith. Let's just read together the Nicene Creed, okay? Read with me. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again, according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets, and one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. established in the faith. Jude chapter 3, remember Jude writing, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. And Paul's saying, 
that similar thing. Be established in the faith just as you were taught and then abounding in thanksgiving. Abounding in thanksgiving. Overflowing with thanksgiving. The faith that you are established in should lead to genuine thanksgiving. True overflowing thanksgiving comes from knowing Christ and walking in Christ. First of all, as we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about thanksgiving, we ought to be truly thankful for every single thing that Paul has mentioned to this point. Be thankful that you received Christ Jesus. Be thankful that Christ Jesus is the Lord. Be thankful that you can walk in Him. Be thankful that you, no matter what you have believed before this moment right now, can be rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith. Be thankful that you were taught. At this point where Paul says, just as you were taught, I want to ask, did you learn to be thankful? Did you learn to be thankful sincerely? Did you learn to be thankful? So many people are being swept away with conspiracy and arguments that are plausible. That's what Paul's saying here. These are things are plausible. They're believable. But are empty lies. That is not Christ. And it is not thanksgiving in Christ. And it's certainly not abounding in thanksgiving. It is not overflowing with thanksgiving. I want to be a person who is overflowing with thanksgiving. I consider myself a genuinely thankful person. Maybe I'm delusional, but I genuinely I'm thankful. I want to overflow with it. I just I want to be thankful as Paul writes in all circumstances. I have so much to be thankful for, but ultimately that thanksgiving should overflow as I consider Christ. I believe that the enemy of thanksgiving is false teaching. Whether it's conspiracy theory, false religion, or anything else that begins to convince us of itself, even though it is a lie. It's plausible, but it's not true. And the reason it is an enemy to thanksgiving is it causes us to pull our attention from the source of joy and thanksgiving. Now, why do I think this? Because Paul said so. Look at verses 8 and 9. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Paul sandwiches verses 6 and 7 
with caution and warning. Verses 1 through 5 are warning against plausible arguments. Verses 8 and following are warning against deception with silly myths and theories. Don't be fed by false teaching, plausible arguments. Don't do it. Paul's saying you think, you think you're in the right. You even think that you have some secret knowledge. You think you have been enlightened more than others. Don't fall for it. Stay with Christ. You're going to start losing root. That's what Paul is warning before and after verses 6 and 7. I think one of the primary things that Christians should fight for is true and overflowing thanksgiving in Christ alone. What sets us apart from the world if we are not thankful and in that joyful? And so just for a few minutes... Here are some things that the Bible tells us that Thanksgiving does and why I believe it is essential in our walk. First is this, Thanksgiving glorifies God. Thanksgiving glorifies God. The psalmist writes in Psalm 50 verse 23, the one who offers Thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. Psalm 69, verse 30, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify Him with thanksgiving. And we all know that our lives are meant to glorify God, to magnify God. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 says, The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. That's it. It's the whole duty of man, he says. And a way that we do that, the psalmist tells us, is by abounding in thanksgiving. Truly, if we're not thankful, and we're not giving him the glory that he deserves, are you thankful? Are you truly thankful? thankful? Are you abounding in thanksgiving? Second, thanksgiving guards against foolish talk and beliefs. True thanksgiving in Christ guards us against foolish talk and beliefs. Paul writes to the Ephesians in Ephesians 5, 4, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead Let there be thanksgiving. In the place of those things, let thanksgiving be what comes from you. James writes in James chapter 3, verses 6 through 12, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. 
From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. James is is saying that we all battle with the tongue, all of us. We're all victims here of the tongue. But the way to fight against the evil that it produces, we see in Ephesians 5, 4, is with thanksgiving. It's rooted in Christ. Thanksgiving guards against foolish talk and beliefs. And then third, Thanksgiving helps us to walk in humility. Thanksgiving helps us to walk in humility. Ephesians 5, 15 through 20, 21. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for the, for, and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We're called to be people who submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And when we fix our thoughts and hearts on the gospel and all that we've been given in Christ, the treasures in Christ, on the work of salvation to free us from bondage to sin. On the gifts given to us day after day. On the joy of knowing and being known by Him. Of the beauty of His creation. His love to us through the display of diversity in our friends and people around the world. And so many other things that display the gospel and God's grace to us. I think we will find ourselves overflowing more and more with thanksgiving and happier to consider others more significant than ourselves. Oh, that we would be people who let the truth of Christ and the gospel impact our hearts that deeply. says, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. I ask you again, are you a thankful person? As you consider the grace of God, as you consider the truths of the gospel, as you consider the gifts that He has given to you, are you truly thankful. We're going to go into a time where we take the Lord's Supper together and a means of thankful fellowship with Christ is through the Lord's Supper. If what Paul writes to the Corinthians is true, 
1 Corinthians chapter uh, 10, verse 16. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? If that's true, then the times that we take communion together should be times of true thankfulness. And just as you consider the leper who was cleansed of, of his spots, and the thankfulness that he experienced through the, the grace of Jesus. We come to Jesus through the Lord's Supper, remembering Him and bowing our hearts before Him, proclaiming His praise. We proclaim His death until He comes as we partake together. We have been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. We're forgiven and we are forever grateful to Jesus. And just as you consider the leper who was cleansed. It's how we ought to come in communion together. We have been cleansed. Because of your body broken and because of your blood shed for us, we have been cleansed of our sins. We are spotless and pure. And God, we are so, so thankful. Pray, Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. You're good to us, Lord. Far greater than we could ever, ever confess. Greater than we could ever describe. We praise you and we thank you. We ask you to help us to be people who remember the truth of the gospel not just in these moments, and we ask for that, Lord. We ask for your help that we would truly remember as we take the bread, that we would truly remember your body broken, and as we drink from the cup, that we would truly remember your blood was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. But we ask beyond that, Lord, not just in these moments, but beyond as we walk through life, that we would be established in the faith, that we'd be rooted and built up in Christ. And that that would lead to true thanksgiving in our hearts and flowing from our hearts. That we'd be a thankful people set apart from this world. We love you and we praise you. We thank you for this time and the blessing that it is. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.